Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, folks, and welcome uh, once again to our program. Our program today is about photography what we need to know but never asked. Uh, I'm really excited today because this is something I've always wanted to do. I know my son has been taking photos and been part of the photography community for, I guess, over 15 years. And it's interesting, every time we go to an event, he brings out his uh, 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 tripods and cameras and everything else. And I never got interested in that way. I'm a real quick, uh, happy snap. Uh, either on my cell phone or uh, at that time with instant cameras. But today we get to ask uh, a master craftsman, uh, master photographer, uh, Phil Kent. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, Just one thing I want to tell everybody uh, listening to T3 throughout the U.S., and we also have our international audience. The purpose of the show is really to integrate scientists, engineers, and innovators, my tech audience, uh, with our non-techie folks. Uh, This is a a time to share and exchange ideas and learn more about uh, technology and upcoming innovations in the technology. Uh, Today's uh, program is photography, what I need to know but never asked. And our guest today is, of course, uh, master photographer Phil Kent. Uh, I really appreciate Phil coming to discuss photography, uh, basic principles of photography, the types of photos, the cameras, the technology, the innovations in that area. And major changes that he's seen. He's been doing this for over uh, 40 years, uh, 38 professionally, and uh, uh, I believe he's got started at the age of 12. And let me just give you a quick snapshot of uh, our master photographer, uh, Phil Kent. He has photographed over a 1,000 weddings. He is the current owner of Phil Kent Studio in Tyson Corner, Virginia. Some of his accolades or awards and honors is, of course, he's got a a BA degree from professional photography, Brooks Institute, Santa Barbara, California. He he was awarded a master photography degree by the Professional Photographers Photographers of America, a member of American Society of Photographers, um, awarded a lifetime membership in the Photographers of America profession, and also has been exhibited at Walt Disney World Epcot Center. So today we have an opportunity to interact and talk about photography, photos, uh, the the cameras, the lenses, anything that you would like to ask. This is a time to discuss them. I know I'm excited about trying to learn a little bit more about photography. Uh, for the audience uh, to get involved in the show, please call 866-472-5788 or email me today, tomorrowtechnologies at gmail.com. First of all, let's uh, introduce the, our guest, Phil uh, Kent, uh, master photographer. Welcome to T3, and I appreciate your appearance on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here, Jose. And as I said in the, uh, uh, to the audience earlier, you have over 40 years in the photography business. How did you get started, and what was that aha moment that said, hey, this is something I want to do? Well, when I was 12 years old, at the ripe old age of 12, my parents gave me a camera and took me to the New York World's Fair in 1965. They gave me a camera to take pictures. The pictures didn't come out very well, and I always wanted to know why. So I studied photography. I figured out 
what I did or didn't do, and that led to, from one thing to another. Before you know it, I was developing pictures in my parents' bathroom, and uh, that led up through high school. Uh, so it's a you know it's a long process, and you start young and you accumulate a lot of a lot of experience over the years. It's it's funny when you said that developing fi- uh, film in your parents' uh, bathroom. Uh, that's uh, would you describe that as wet photography or photography? What I call normal photography uh, versus the digital age that we've come into. Well, it's very wet because your your hands get covered with chemicals and and they smell and but that was real fun. It's a different kind of fun today with digital photography because you're it's not wet and uh, and it's it's more visual and more computer and it's it's fun in its own way, but it's different. So throughout the changes, I mean, you started at, uh, you know, as a young age, you went through high school, you were working the, uh, developing your own pictures. How has picture development changed over the years? Well, obviously, the big change has come from digital technology. Now, it's not a revolution. It's called a digital revolution, but it's not really a revolution. It's a, it was an evolutionary process. I mean, I was aware of digital photography as, as, as early as the late 70s, early 80s, but it didn't go mainstream until the, the late 1990s. Uh, we were still photographing, for example, weddings. Uh, by the way, I didn't photograph over 1,000 weddings. I photographed over 1,500 weddings personally, and my business has done over 3,000. I used to have a, a team of photographers working for me, <laughs> but that's another, another thing. But uh, it, it evolved over the years. I think I took my first digitals around 1999, uh, but the uh, digital photography wasn't good enough for professional use until about the mid-2000s. I think we started photographing digitally, professionally, around 2005, and I, didn't, uh, I, I was shooting film up to 2007 because at, by that time, the quality of the digital images caught up to the film uh, quality and were able to go, you know, go full uh, transition over to the uh, digital cameras. And your parents got you that first camera. What was that first camera? You know, I don't even remember. I remember it being a small camera. It had film. Uh, it may have even had a little flash in it. I don't remember. But it was a very small, you know, inexpensive camera, which probably right. contributed to the problem there. No, no, no. And I remember uh, the Polaroid snapshot cameras that came out, uh, you know, where you get the instant uh, gratification of seeing the picture right. right away. and You didn't have to send it into the store to get it developed. And that was uh, that was always an interesting process because at times it took, I think, seven days. And then they cut it down to you can get your film back in less than 24 hours and all that yeah. process. So yeah. that, that has changed. Uh, as, we, as you continue to develop the craft and photography and saw the different cameras, uh, what, you know, I'm, I've been reading a little bit, and there's all types of cameras, uh, uh, I guess the digital cameras, but the early cameras that uh, I'm, I'm looking at is, you know, the Canons, uh, the Nikons, uh, you have the Sonys, the Samsung, the Olympus, all those are kind of instant easy cameras that I guess our, my generation would be familiar with and anything, uh, but as you move to the professional ranks, what cameras are you picking up or you're, you're interested in? Or or have in your studio? Well, I generally use Canon equipment, but the only cameras today are pretty good. The only difference is how, they, how the controls are configured, but Canon, Nikon, and the other makes are all very good cameras. Uh, the important thing is not so much the camera itself, but knowing how to use it. Um, 
you know, a, a camera, uh, photography is a language. And when you go to school, we go to first grade, you're giving a pencil uh, and paper, and you learn how to read and write. Uh, with the camera, the, the camera is the pencil. Uh, the, today, the memory card is the paper. And then what is the ink or lead they're using? That's the light. And you have to, you got to be able to put all these things together. So what, what particular camera that you use or make is not as important as knowing how to use it. And that's where a lot of people today fall short. Um, I think it's very important to learn the craft, learn the language, learn how to read and write photography before you focus on the cameras, which, of course, is the easiest thing. People ask you, uh, you ask me, what type of camera should I buy? Well, buy something that's inexpensive, that's easy to use, and, and things like that. You know, it gets back to, uh, I guess, the uh, number one item is uh, understanding the, the basic photography and exposure uh, to the photography. And as a beginner, as a hobbyist, and as a professional, you've kind of hit all three because you stayed with it uh, in photography. Uh, any any advice as you went to school or did you have a mentor? What what, how did you, you know, you, you like the subject area, you love taking the photography, you, you self-study what you did right or wrong at the World's Fair, so what, what kept you moving in that direction? Well, as you learn more, you learn that there's more to learn, uh, you never stop learning. I mean, even 50 years later, I'm still learning photography. I read, uh, you know, articles in mag- trade magazines, the internet, what have you there. But I think, I think it's, you know, it, you've got all this information on the internet these days, but it's not structured in any way. I think you need to go to a formal, uh, school that teaches photography to give you some structure to what you're learning. Otherwise, it's hit and miss, and you're going to have gaps in your knowledge. Uh, there are good schools out there. Uh, I went to Brooks Institute, which uh, actually no longer exists as one of the top schools in the country for, for many decades. Uh, the founders of the school sold it to a corporate entity, and they mismanaged it, and then the school went under. Uh, part of that was contributed to the digital, uh, you know, cameras that we have today. That's another story altogether. But the good schools out there, as I understand it today, are schools like Rhode Island School of Design, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology up in New York. They, 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 they're at the, you know, the Kodak, uh, you know, town there. Uh, any good school is going to have good photography uh, courses, and it's important to learn the basics and have a structured uh, education. Um, but learning photography is only part of it. If you want to become a professional photographer uh, as a career, you've got to learn other parts of the trade, not just the photography. You've got to learn marketing. You've got to learn how to get your, your, your name out there. You've got to learn sales. I mean, once you bring the people in, you have to know how to sell your photography. Uh, you know, business management, these are all separate disciplines that – uh, any small business owner has to know photography is just what you're selling, uh, what you're creating. And, uh, you know, a lot of photographers today think, you know, a lot of would-be photographers want to learn the photography part, but they forget there's a lot more to it than that to be, actually become a professional photographer where you're earning a living. 
Well, it's a full-up uh, business is what you're telling me. It's not just a hobby, and therefore you have to have the entire uh, uh, knowledge set uh, to uh, uh, not only Absolutely. take the picture but sell the picture. So, Absolutely. Uh, the really... one thing that digital photography today has done is that it's made it easier for uh, people to take pictures. But, uh, you know, they don't know the, the business part of it. Um, and because it's so easy to take pictures these days, more people do it. A generation ago, when I started out, it was more of a, almost a black art 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And the barrier to entry was, was higher. You had to have the equipment. You had to have the, the knowledge. And where do you get that knowledge? Uh, you know, how do you get your name out there? You had, you know, you either networked or you had yellow pages. And that was pretty much it there. Today, uh, there's, you know, marketing is everywhere. Uh, you've got, you know, websites. You've got search engine optimization, all these other factors that makes it easier for other people to get into it. Uh, a g- generation ago, for example, in the wedding photography business, and there's different parts of, there's different kinds of photography, just like there's different kinds of, of medicine, different kinds of doctors, different kinds of law, different kinds of attorneys. So same thing with photography. You've got commercial photographers. You've got industrial photographers. You've got portrait and wedding photographers like, like, like me. Um, so there's different uh, fields, and each of those fields has a different requirement in terms of you know, photography itself, the marketing, and, and so forth there. Um, but getting back to... Uh, well, go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, ask me a question. I'll answer it best I can. No, that was, that's perfect because <laughs> the area of growth is there are a variety of photography, uh, I guess, careers, and you need to pick one or two. And uh, as you said, you entered the uh, portrait and wedding uh, side of photography, which right. is, uh, to me, a little bit more classical. Uh, but there's, you know, this, the sports photography is, uh, is a different area. Yeah. And so everybody's got to learn how to use their um, canvas, I guess, more than anything else. Uh, And and you're absolutely right. Uh, The basic uh, question I always like to ask is, you know, as you're developing the 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 picture or the or getting ready to take the photo, what can you walk me through some of the just basic elementary steps that you you think about that maybe we don't even think about? Sure, and let me give an example of what many people do today. Everybody has seen a friend or done it themselves where you you have your camera or your cell phone in in most cases these days, and you want to take a picture of some friends, and so you've got that camera set up, the person's getting, you're you're posing for the person, uh, and the person has their their cell phone camera uh, aimed at you there, and they're standing there looking at it, and it seems like the seconds go on for a minute after minute after minute. It takes them forever to push that button. Now, what's going through their mind at that time? And I would, I would uh, suggest absolutely nothing because they don't know how to compose a picture. They don't know how to look at the background. Uh, what's the lighting doing? Uh, am, am, I in, am I in close enough? Am I too far away? Uh, when I take a picture, and it really takes you years to, to be able to master this. It's like you know, typing on a, uh, a typewriter art not typewriter, but a computer. That shows you how old I am, typewriters. Uh, but a computer keyboard, you, you don't think about it. You just do it because you know, you, you know intuitively you know, where, where all the keys are. Well, same thing when you take a picture. Now, when I take a photograph, which is virtually every day, I compose that picture in my mind. I look at the light. Where's the light coming from? How do I want to crop this? Is my background straight? 
Uh, is there something in the background that's distracting? I'm going to get rid of. Is there a telephone wires? Is there a tree? Is there an exit sign? Uh, is the lighting on the person? If I'm photographing a person, uh, good on their face. Is is my composition good? Should I off center it a little bit? Uh, these are all things that go through my mind, and I compose. I've created that picture in my mind before I push that button, and you have to get yourself. Uh, to be able to understand the language of photography, the lighting, the exposure, composition, all these things before you can really uh, make full use of a, of a camera. And some of these things are basic and some of these things are not so basic. Selective focus, if you want to do a portrait of someone, but there's a busy background, if you have a wide aperture, that'll blur out the background and that person will stand out against the background, things like that. Travel photography, when you're traveling, you'll take a picture of a, of a landscape or, or a cityscape or, or, or something, building. Uh, you know, what angle do you want to use? Uh, are you shooting into the sun? Is the sun behind you? you know, things like that. So these are all things that uh, you should be aware of and try to learn the basics and, and uh, you'll create much better images and uh, you'll be you know, more and more happy with results as the time goes by. You get better and better at it. So it's really trying to get a, uh, uh, a canvas. You're painting a canvas in your mind before you even take that shot. Absolutely. And you're going absolutely. Through. Now, you, that takes a while to get there. You can't oh, you know, absolutely. You do it right away. Absolutely. I, I'm more, and I guess that's the reason I got so frustrated with it, because I never had that patience or I never thought I was good enough to set up the canvas. And I walked out uh, or, you know, took my normal picture and some were blurry and some weren't and some were good. And I kept those right. and threw the rest of them away. My son had a little bit more patience and everything. We've got about another 30 seconds or so before we go on our first break. But the critical part of photography is, you know, is that you really have to uh, – uh, understand the basic principles of photography, apply, uh, get a, a camera. Today's cameras are all mostly uh, about the same as you said, and then make use of your camera and, and make use of what it can do and, and select the type of photography that you're going to use. Uh, do you have uh, any other advice? Well, the technology, we're always focused on the technology, and the technology is important, but, you know, no matter how advanced the technology is you still have to know the basic knowledge of how to create an image uh, and in the end result uh, has to fit into the norms of good photography no matter what the technology is okay well, well let's uh, let's get ready for our first break uh, we'll go on our commercial break we're talking to master photographer Phil Kent and we'll uh, and we're discussing photography what I need to know but never ask. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show Welcome back, folks. Uh, let's continue the T3 program with our guest today, master photographer Phil Kent. He has over 40 years in photography. And the show today is Photography, What I Need to Know But Never Ask. And the real critical thing is we're going to talk a little bit more about the technologies that are out there. I mean, 40 years of photography from uh, what I call the wet photos to all the way to the digitals and the various cameras that we use. I want to ask Phil, Phil, what is your favorite ca- uh, camera? I think you said it was the Canon. Well, I'm a Canon person. I have a Canon pocket camera. I have a couple Canon professional cameras. I, I like the ergonomics of them, but that's not to say Nikon uh, is, is not good or as good. I, some people like, like Nikon. Some people like uh, Toyota. Some people like, uh, you know, you know, whatever else there is, Hondas. <laughs> Well, does everybody like uh, from uh, for me? It was Canon or Nikon. Uh, I guess the Pentax uh, came in a little bit for more action oriented. At least that's what I was told. I, I never researched that field, but it, it was either Canon or Nikon. But really, the critical thing is the lenses. Uh, is that a critical component in the camera? Not only the internal functions, but the lenses you can adopt. Well, absolutely, because that's where the light passes through. That's the problem with uh, with. Uh Smartphone cameras, uh, you know, you can't have a big lens on a smartphone. You're limited. You can't bend the laws of physics. So they've got these very tiny lenses, and, you know, you can only do so much in a small space like that. Now, you can buy uh, exterior lenses for smartphones, but if you're going to go through all that trouble, why not just get a regular camera where it's even better? Uh, so, uh, you know, a lens is, is you know, is as important as the camera itself. Uh, I've got various lenses for various applications, obviously, like any professional does. Uh, and you want to, if you're buying a, a, a you know, real decent camera, you want to get a good quality lens for it. Um, but, you know, again, the equipment uh, is, is important, but it's secondary to, you know, knowing how to use it there. And that's, 
again, that's another uh, you know issue there. Um, I'm sitting here reading a quote from Robert Kappa, who once said, "If you're a photographer and you aren't good enough, get closer to your subject, and and keep shooting every day." Uh, as you said, uh, see the light. And, of course, uh, I guess he was uh, taking a lot of happy snaps as he walked around. He always said, ask permission sure. of others before you start taking your pictures. So right. as you uh, continue your development in, in, in your setup of your studio, if I had to set up a studio today, what, what are some of the key items I need to be aware of? Well, of course, the location. Do you have it in your home or do you have it in a commercial location? I had a studio. I was fortunate enough to have a studio in a commercial location for 25 years. And when I semi-retired a few years ago, I moved into my home. And it's, uh, my, my commute is shorter, but the equipment is the same. I have a background. I have a couple of lights. I have a, a posing stool for my clients. Uh, I've got a camera stand, uh, a camera, and that's basically all you need. But you need to know how to use the lighting. You need to know how to pose people, make them look good, uh, proper background for whatever application they want to use it for. Um, so it's the equipment, location, and if you're going to do it for a business, you want to you know get your get your name out there and let people know you exist. I've got you know I've got. You know, I'm very established. I have been established. I've got corporate clients in the Washington, D.C., Tyson's Corner, Virginia area. I've had them for many years, and I've got companies that send people over on a regular basis uh, when I'm here. Uh, I'm only here two weeks out of four these days because my wife and I travel extensively, being empty nesters. But uh, it's, it's a fun business. I enjoy it. I don't need to do it anymore, but uh, I do it because I enjoy it. Uh, we don't do that many weddings anymore. I'd rather do work in the studio because it's Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, rather than weekends. I love doing family portraits, which I did in the studio for many years. Uh, my family portraits now are done in the client's home or outdoors because I don't have a big enough studio to big, do a big group. Um, um, so I enjoy the work that I do now, which is mostly corporate headshots and business people and things like that because it's, uh, I, I know how to make people look good through the posing, through the lighting, through the uh, retouching, and you know, all these things that go together to create a portrait. It's fun work creating something for people almost every day. Exactly. Well, I, I I don't have the expertise, but I do like to take a few happy snaps. I think the selfies, I remember back in the early uh, 70s when I was traveling, and tell you how old I was, I was taking selfies on the way to California for my first assignment. So it, it's interesting. But as you set up your studio, one of the things I realized, not only the high-tech equipment that you had and, and, and probably the evolution from the beginning of, uh, you know, you, you've probably own several cameras throughout your 40 years and and you probably have two or three that you use for the different portraits that you make right uh, uh but uh, uh how do you how uh, what are the differences and is it the lens the camera is it uh, the composition that you that you picture in your in your mind as you set up for that picture well, as I said earlier, I compose the picture in my mind before I take it with regard to the different you know, elements involved, exposure, lighting, uh, composition, and so forth there. But I use the camera that's best applicable for that. If I'm doing a wedding or a family portrait or something that requires uh, a lot of quality and resolution, I'll use my professional camera. Canon cameras. 
Uh, I have a 10-year-old or 15-year-old Olympus digital camera they use for my headshots and business portraits in the studio because it's easier to use. Uh, the Canon is sort of like, you know, it's overkill. The, you know, we don't need 30 megapixels in a little website photo. Uh, two or three is fine. And as you have these bigger professional cameras that get newer and newer and more and more advanced, you need more computer power to process the images, to load them and, and uh, you know, retouch them and so forth there. And I don't really need that uh, for uh, a little, uh, you know, two by three inch uh, website picture. So this Olympus camera I use uh, works out very good. It's, I, I think this thing is probably about 15 years old and it works great. So uh, the end result is magnificent. Um, and I carry a pocket camera around day to day when I go out on our boat or go travel. I'm in a store. I'm, I'm thinking of buying something. I'll snap a quick picture of it. Uh, you can do that with a cell phone if you carry a cell phone around, which most people do today. Uh, so photography, uh, you know, taking photographs is, is very, uh, you know, it's almost you don't think about it so much. You just do it in this day and age. Imagine doing would- that. 30 years ago when you had to process the film. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking about. The wet film as you develop that and, you know, the dark room and uh, trying to keep everybody out when you're in there. Well, uh, let, me, let me mention, you mentioned wet film. Of course, for our listeners, that means film that, means film that you develop in a, in a wet developer solution. That is, can bring, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a comeback in that area where, uh, you know, people, you know, photographers are, are going back to film just because it's nostalgia reasons. There's some minor quality differences uh, with that in digital. Uh, I was just reading an article the other day about uh, the U-2 spy plane being used to photograph natural disasters uh, over, you know, like Hurricane Katrina years ago in Louisiana. Uh, they, photograph, uh, they photographed the whole country of Afghanistan, uh, right. some of the natural disasters in California, and they use film because the resolution and quality of that is better than the, the digital uh, options are. The problem is analyzing this high quality, all this resolution, and they've actually gone to, I think it's Stanford University, to, to get some of the computer people in Silicon Valley to come up with programs and techniques to analyze this film. So they're actually still using film for certain uh, situations, but they've got so much data on this film it doesn't get analyzed, so they're looking to somehow automate the analyzing of the uh, the film, which is kind of funny. Uh, but that's but that's another uh, you know application of uh, you know film and wet film uh, technology, yeah. as you call it. Motion video and film uh, photography uh, like that using big data. I'm very familiar with that. It's kind of the areas I'm working on right I, now. I, yeah, I think so. the big, the biggest advancement that we've got coming in the, in the next few years or several years is not so much the cameras themselves, but the post post production work. Uh, to give you an example, um, if you go, one thing that really there's not much that impresses me these days, but one one thing that really impressed me a lot lately was something on the CNN website called Gigapixel. If you go to if you Google CNN Gigapixel, you'll see a photograph that was taken of uh, Trump's inauguration uh, a year or two ago uh, of hundreds of thousands of people in the mall. Uh, 
And you can zoom in on the faces of any of these people. You can look at the faces close up of the Supreme Court justices there and of the people in the crowd, you know, hundreds of yards away. There's hundreds of thousands of people, and you can zoom in on any one of these people. Uh, They did another one of the royal wedding that was done uh, that they had a month or two ago. I don't think that one's as good as the Trump inauguration one, but if you you Google um, CNN Gigapixel, Trump yep, inauguration, a royal wedding, you'll see these images. And they were created not with a single camera image, but several, many images stitched together electronically in post-production. Uh, the funny thing is I did something very similar uh, a couple of months ago. So a, a developer of an office building in Arlington, Virginia, wanted me to take a, a picture from the roof where they're building a high-rise with a, with a rooftop restaurant showing the uh, Washington, D.C. skyline from the Capitol building to the Lincoln Memorial. And they had an image of the Capitol building in their lobby already, which is electronic. It, had, it must have been about 30 feet wide and 40 feet high, and they wanted a printed image of the skyline. Uh, so I think it was six feet high by 20 feet long. But, of course, with the sharpest camera that I have, which is uh, a Canon, uh, I think it's a Mark IV, uh, 30 megapixels, a single image wouldn't do it justice. So what we did, what I did on the rooftop that day was photograph different parts of the image, uh, probably 30 different images, panning the camera slowly from left to right, doing, doing another row and doing a third row, and then they took those 30 or 40 images and stitched them together, together electronically to have a super high quality uh, uh, photograph to mount in their lobby. And if this photograph is going to be six feet high and 20 feet long, showing the Washington, D.C. skyline, they wanted to show the detail of the buildings and the people and the streets and everything. So that was kind of interesting. Same thing with that Trump inauguration picture. Just an amazing photograph. Uh, so... I think the post-production part of this is going to be even uh, uh, changing more rapidly in the applications of it than the actual uh, cameras themselves that take the actual pictures. Well, that's where technology needs to uh, move forward very quickly, as you said. I mean, just in uh, in my world, uh, a lot of a lot of pictures, a lot of big data, but not a lot of processing. And I think with uh, digitalization, uh, some uh, mathematics, some equations, some big data, uh, some artificial intelligence process, uh, I think we'll be able to process a lot more film. At least from a military perspective, that's what I'm talking about. From a photography perspective, uh, one thing when you and I met about eight months ago, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that amazed me in the portrait that you took was uh, both the software and hardware that you had in your in your studio uh, to at least make me look better. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I had to smile there because, you know, with a digital image, you can do those kind of things, just like you can stitch, uh, you know, the various uh, pictures you've taken. Well, Jose, so that you I, if I remember correctly, I think you were pretty easy to photograph. You didn't have that much retouching. But I've had some, some interesting challenges lately. Uh, I had a gentleman in just a week or two ago. Uh, he was very overweight. Uh, he couldn't even close his shirt. 
he couldn't bring his tie up to his neckline, and I, I was able to, you know, minimize his double chin with the lighting and the posing by having him lean forward, had him light up high, throw his chin shadow, darken it down a little bit more in the retouching. But I was able to close up his shirt and remove a button that would stick it out and, and then take his tie and move it up closer to his neck so it looked more normal. And he was so pleased with that, you would not believe. Um, now, we've got some women clients who might be, uh, let's say, a real estate agent who might be in her 50s and 60s, wants to look like she's 30. Uh, you know, you don't want to do that too much there. You want to make it look realistic, but, uh, you know, don't over-retouch, don't overdo it. Don't overdo it is the yeah. bottom line. Uh, you know, we've got the, a lot of the, the Photoshops and other programs, homemade programs, I guess, that are maybe not as good as the ones you use, but are from a, from a uh, what is a novice. It's it's pretty good. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You can take out red eyes. Uh, you can, right. you can uh, you know, lighten, darken. Even... Uh, you know, my wife has a uh, an iPad and, a, and, a, and an iPhone, and even on those two devices, you've got uh, you know in, you've got enhancement uh, software that enables you to crop and lighten or darken and do different things with it. It's amazing. I didn't know that stuff had all that. So yeah, yeah, it's it, it is amazing, uh, and I, I, I get a kick. Like I said, uh, I enjoy photography from a distance. My son brings out his cameras. He, he's he's got a um, a nice Nikon, and you know, as soon as I know he sets up his tripod, you know, you, you hear the groans. Okay, we're going to do a family <laughs> portrait now. <laughs> You're not going to get out of Good this one. But yeah, but he loves it. He loves well, it. Well, photography is, is fun. It's rewarding. It's, it can be challenging to do good work, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting uh, field to be in. Right. So we've got a minute left. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the cameras. We've talked a little bit about the film itself. Talked about the hardware and software for touching up. Uh, any major changes you see in the photography business other than the post-production that you talked about? Well, there's always incremental changes. Uh, nothing is, is major, so to speak, unless you look at it over a long period of time, like the digital you know, so-called revolution, which has been evolving for decades, not just the last few years. Um, but again, I think it's the, you know, the application of the photographs, whether they end up in a, an electronic uh, uh, format, like on this uh, wall that I mentioned, or you know, on a refrigerator. You know, some of these refrigerators, new refrigerators today have photographs or, or, or images of what's inside it there. Uh, and I think the, the area of uh, change is going to be more in the post-production application of photography. Uh, you remember the movie, if you saw the movie, um, um, what was it, the Minority Report with Tom Cruise, Cruise where yeah. there was an advertisement on the cereal box. He didn't want to see it, so he threw the box across the room. There was a newspaper, someone was reading on a subway train, where the, news, the picture on the newspaper changed as the news changed. Uh, okay. Things like that. I mean, that's in the future, obviously, but I think it's the, the different applications of, of the uh, final result of the photographs that, that's changing the most, whereas the capture part okay. of it isn't changing as much. Well, let's go to our uh, second break here, and we'll be back with master photographer Phil Kent. Mm-hmm. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. You are listening to your host, Jose Negron, and we're on the T3 show. Today's subject is photography, what I need to know but never ask. Helping us understand the subject and the new technologies in the photography area is uh, master photographer Phil Kent, and he's out of the Tyson Corner, uh, Virginia area. And we've been discussing uh, uh, how he got started, and we uh, follow that up with a little bit of his setup and studio, and and most importantly now we're we were talking about a little bit of uh, future technology innovations and post processing. At this time, I, I'd like to turn the subject. Uh, Phil, uh, when I introduced him, had uh, a BA out of California, and the question I need to ask him is: When a person gets started, is it important uh, to get educated? And, and know more about photography. So, Phil, uh, what would you advise a young photographer or a, a person who really wants to get started in photography? What should he do? Photography, number one, uh, and and start with their program because they'll start you off on the right foot in terms of basic knowledge. But you also have to study business and marketing and things that go into any business. Uh, another thing I would do is join the PPA, the Professional Photographers of America. 
They have a, uh, a membership, a student membership you can, you can do for, it's very inexpensive. If you're working full-time in the field, then it would cost you more, of course, but as a student, uh, the cost is, I don't know what it is, 20 or $30 a year, but you have access to so many professionals in the business. You have access to their trade show and state organizations, and you will learn so much so fast by being a member of the Professional Photographers of America, uh, that uh, that's, you certainly need to do that. I did that way back in 1976. I'm a lifetime member of it, and uh, I still go to the conventions. I've got, got one in January, in, in, in the, got one in Atlanta in January I will go to, and I go about every other year, and I learn about the latest equipment. I learn about the latest techniques, take a few seminars, and see what's what as far as what's going on in the field. Uh, so those are the two things I would do, uh, as I have done, is to go to a, uh, have some kind of formal training and then join a professional organization like the PPA, Professional Photographers of America. Perfect. And one of the things that I, I, I know, of, I guess, more than anything else, when I talk to you, you know, a little bit of the artistic and creativity is needed. Uh, you definitely need to have the technical wide range for t- photography equipment and knowledge and not be scared to touch the buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, keen eye for detail. Uh, you talked about that in your composition. And then, of course, the rounding up, if you're starting your own business, you have to have good communication, people skills, and good time mm-hmm. management as you begin to set up time. Uh, lot, you know, deadlines and photo shoots and so forth and so on. We talked earlier about going uh, for the education, formal education. Uh, you know, I just Googled this at uh, from uh, Google, the 15 uh, great colleges. I'll just mention a couple, University of California, Los Angeles, uh, Yale, School of Fine Arts, uh, the School of Visual Arts, uh, mm-hmm. University of Mexico, Rhode Island School of Design, School of Art Institute of Chicago, Rochester Institute of Technology, Absolutely. California Institute of Arts. There's many, many more uh, different on, I guess, the uh, uh, tuition, so you have to be conscious of that. Uh, don't let the tuition scare you. Uh, go pick out a school, do the things you need to do and follow your you know, you know your goal and your path, and you can make your path, as Phil uh, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, you just have to have the, uh, the want and the uh, drive to go forward as a photographer is the way I look at it. Sure. Uh, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, we talked about post-production. Uh, you know, I think I, I agree with you. Cameras are, uh, they're not uh, revolutionary anymore. They're uh, more evolutionary as we begin to process that. I, uh, we're into the digitalization. Uh, the real cr- critical piece of that is the, uh, the post-processing and the ability to do that. Uh, when you're when you're in your studio, uh, based on the photography you took uh, or, or the profession you took up in the photography realm, uh, Phil, it, it's it's a little bit easier pace. Uh, I would imagine a little bit more time to do the setup, the vision, the composition, the canvas, and that family or the wedding pictures uh, that you used to take versus a guy who's in the sports field that's constantly running up and down the field. Well, it is. Uh, you know, back in the film days, and you, you had to be good enough to know or feel reasonably confident that you had a good image because it may be a couple of days or weeks before you saw them. Whereas in a studio, you can certainly look at the image right away and confirm what you've got. A uh, sports guy can still do the same thing. He can look at the back of his camera when he's shooting uh, an event. Uh, so the, the instant feedback and, and being able to correct anything uh, is certainly uh, one of the biggest advantages of digital photography. 
Okay. And then, uh, you know, an average photographer, I mean, you know, we were talking about average, and this is just, uh, you know, how much a photographer makes. It's it's kind of, uh, it's a spot shot from uh, uh, Google more than anything else. And it just says uh, a typical salary is anywhere between 34 to 76. But I, I, I imagine that depends on the photographer himself. Uh, as you said, it you can have a lot of factors. The photographer himself, uh, what type yep. of work he's still in. Yeah. Uh, is he working for someone else or on your own? Most small business people tend to do better than someone who's working for someone else. Uh, so there's so many variables in it that it's hard to really come up with a, uh, you know, an income level for photographers. But one thing uh, you always need to have is you need to have that ambition. You need to have that eye for detail. Uh, you, you mentioned it several times, that business aptitude, because that is what's going to drive if you're self-employed or if you're Well, you have to love what you do, and certainly yeah. photography is a, it's a fun, fun and rewarding type of work, and that's why so many people want to be in it. Exactly, and the network skills and the people skills, all that comes to play. So it's not not just learning the camera, but uh, all the things uh, around the camera to make your your profession successful. Sure. As we move forward in, in photography, uh, you mentioned uh, a, who were a couple mentors that you've had along the way, because no one does this alone. Well, yeah, I didn't really have a mentor or a couple of mentors uh, when I was in school and even after school when I was in the profession, with the, and I go to different seminars. For example, at our school at, in California, we attracted some of the top names in photography, uh, Ansel Adams. Uh, I could have I could have studied with him as, at his uh, at his studio in Carmel if I wanted to. Joseph uh, uh, Karsh visited us visited us uh, one day. I think if there's one person, one photography or photographer that stands out in this world in my career that I've really admired the most, it would be Josef Karsh. Now, who is Josef Karsh? Josef Karsh uh, was from Armenia. He lived in Canada, so he was considered Canadian for many years. What did he do? He photographed uh, that iconic picture of Winston Churchill. He's done some of the biggest names of the 20th century. Uh, he's done uh, Ernest Hemingway, Albert Einstein, uh, uh, John F. Kennedy, portraits Nikita Khrushchev. Uh, uh, who else did he do here? Uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, it's just amazing the people he's done. And I look at his work and I think, wow, I wish I could have done that. And it requires so much uh, uh, interpersonal skills with these people to do something like that as well as the photography and technical knowledge it's just amazing so right. i would say that's the one person i've admired the most but even in later years i'd go to seminars sponsored by the professional photographers of america i've actually taught a, a few of these seminars myself uh, years ago and you learn so much from other photographers which is another reason why you should join the ppa just to see what other photographers uh in today's uh world are doing and you learn so much from them. Absolutely. Well, it's more important, like you said, a formal education and then professional organizations that keep your talent or keeps your curiosity or teaches you about another event that you need to know about. So that, that is fantastic. And I think that applies to all fields. Uh, you know, you only know what you know until you go to a formal school or some trade schools. As I tell people, if you can't afford a formal school, go to a trade school and learn something and then join the profession. 
and you'll get more out of it. And even after half a century, Jose, I still feel like I'm a student of photography. I'm always learning new things. No, I, I smile when you say that because I, I, I can remember my, my days. I can't wait to get out of high school. <laughs> and I got to college, and I can't wait to get out of college. And then I entered the service, and I said, man, I can't wait to get through these programs, you know. But I, I, I sit back every night reading a book or studying a manual or doing this or that. So life is an experience of study and learning and, and progressing. And you never, as you said, I'm still learning as I go along. So yeah. I, I just smile when people say, I just got to get out of school like and, I used to be. And naive. when we talk about going to a school that teaches photography, that's simply to teach you how to read and write exactly. Exactly. Because uh, the real lessons come, uh, the discussion with other professionals, how they did it, what they did, how, how they progress. You and know, everybody's the story is a little bit different, yeah. Yeah, everybody's story is different. Uh, I know you shared one of your funny stories. Any other funny stories that you may have? Well, uh Oh, who you know? I have to go back in my memory bank. One that stands out, I think. uh, I had a project uh, several years ago, maybe five years ago, to photograph uh, some of the um, uh, department heads in the government, some of the top people in the U.S. government for a management study for a book. And I'd go to the uh, you know the the uh, you know State Department, and I'd go to uh, another department, Treasury Department. Uh, when I went to the Homeland Security Department, uh, Department of Homeland Security, uh, several years ago, uh, you know they let me in the gate because they knew I was coming, and then they directed me to this building over here, and I had to get my equipment out, and I was a little bit lost. So I I go into this building, and I. After I'm through the, the main part of security, I go into this building and I go in. I find this room, and um, so I, I think that's where I was supposed to go, and nobody was there. And then all of a sudden, all these security people come in, like a dozen of them, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Am I going to get arrested or something? What's going on here? And it turns out that they were using me as a as a, an example of how to. Um, you know, get people through security because it happened to be their brand new visitor center and I was the very first person early that Monday morning to go in there so they used me as an example of, of how to check people, people's bags and equipment and things like that. So it was kind of, kind of funny that, in that respect, uh, going into that situation and, uh, you know, not having anybody there and then all of a sudden people come almost rushing into the room, uh, security guards. Uh, you know, looking at you, and, and you're wondering what's going on. So, no, and of course, I, you know, with all these weddings over the years, you're always, you know, I can't relate any particular instance offhand, but there, you know, there's many, many situations that uh, you know you, you went into. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, would you say? I mean, you mentioned earlier that a lot of the weddings over the weekend. So that's the the negative part about the wedding shots. But I'm sure well, you it is, had it opportunities. It depends to, on if you like weddings or not. Uh, you know, yeah. um, it's it's it, to me it was fun. I was you know I was I'm so good at it that it, it's you know people think some photographers think weddings are stressful. Well, after you've done about a thousand of them, it becomes so uh, norm, so normal for you to be there that it's not stressful. You just do right. it because you enjoy it. And quite frankly, I think the participants are more stressed out than you are. So I, I look at my role partly as to help them get through a very stressful day, uh, okay. you know, making sure everybody's there okay. on time, helping people get well, their 
flowers okay, up there Phil. and things like that. Okay, we've got about 30 seconds. Let me wrap up real quick. Uh, our guest today was Phil Kent, a master photographer out of the Tyson uh, Corner area in Virginia. He's been uh, shooting photography or in that photography field for over 40 years, started at age 12. And today we talked about uh, the various technologies in photography, the setup of a studio, recommendation of uh, going to get a formal education as well as professional uh, trade school. I, I'd like to thank Phil for coming on the show. I thank uh, Alexandria for uh, sending all the information out. And uh, and I'd like to thank my audience for listening today. Uh, we'll see you next week as we talk about technology with uh, uh, Alex, uh, Wire Magazine editor. And we're looking forward to that. So until the next time, this is Jose Negron, host of T3. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.